for a couple of months that year, I couldn't write anything. Uh, nothing came out. And even throughout the trip, although I felt elated and I was having a really good time, I could barely write my experiences down. Uh, but now the words just rushed back uh, like a river flooding down a mountain. I, I just wrote. I just kept writing. And it just felt like the salt that was gone from the world returned. First Person is a podcast about life-changing travel experiences, where Ray and I conduct interviews about trips that change people's lives. I'm Maula. We started this podcast because we've personally had trips that changed our lives, and want to share these stories with you. Welcome back to First Person, to our second episode. In this episode, Nino's going to relate to us his experience in Colorado and how it changed his life. So, Nino. Hey, Ray. Why don't you go ahead and, and let these people know what you experienced and, and what happened in Colorado. Thank you. Thank you, Ray, for that wonderful intro. It's greatly appreciated. So this is a story about a paradigm-shifting life moment. Uh, so I'm an adventurer at heart. You all know that. and Well, you may not, but Ray, you know that. And I've been very fortunate to have been able to travel abroad and domestically. When it came down to this, our second podcast, however, it, I was a bit perplexed. You know, it wasn't until I heard you recanting your journey about Peru in our first episode uh, that the uh, thought of talking about Colorado came to me. So the common factor amongst all my trips, whether abroad or domestically, uh, was that I or is that I leave with something. You know, it's either a feeling of becoming more or I'm filled with new ideas or I just learn new ways of doing things. Um, so this story is in line with that and is a story about a paradigm shifting life moment that occurred during my trip to Colorado several years ago. I think I woke up around 2.40 a.m. because I typically set my alarm for 2.30 um, a.m. At least back then I did. Uh, I woke up at 2.40 a.m. I walked to my daughter's room, um, sat down for meditation, but I definitely remember not being able to sit long. I think like a kid on Christmas Eve, I was really giddy with just anticipation. Um, several hours before, I packed my 70-gallon trekking bag, unpacked it and kept pack and repacked it once or twice in an effort to ensure that nothing would fly off during my ride uh, that morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I treat my tricks like adventures, and uh, what better way to start an adventure than flying on a Honda CBR 600RR? So. So after gearing up that morning, I, I remember closing the garage door because it made this loud creaking sound and it was so early that I didn't want my morning, my neighbors to wake up, headed towards Jose's house. Uh, so during that time, I actually lived in Somerset, New Jersey, uh, which isn't too far from Rutgers, New Jersey, um, and about 30 plus miles from where I was headed, which is my friend Jose's house, who lived in the ironbound section of Newark. Uh, so usually a trip like this would take about 40 minutes. But I made it in under 20. Now, why were you going to Jose's? So, uh, Jose and Jose invited me to go to Colorado. So, Jose and I went to school together at uh, university, and Justin as well. Jose, Justin, and Gian all met in school. Although we went to the same school, we didn't quite know each other. Um, and Gian worked for Intel as an engineer, and Intel was located in um, Colorado, Fort Collins. 
So Jose invited me to come on this amazing trip to go visit his friend, and I, I took the, the opportunity. But to answer your question, Jose lives closer to the airport, <laughs> Nork Airport. So I was riding my bike to his house so that his brother Edwin could drive all three of us to the airport. Okay. So I will fast forward to um, landing, landing in, in Denver, Colorado. I remember I was immediately... Uh, just taken aback by the rolling hills and the mountain ranges. Um, it, they painted the backdrop of the of the airport. And actually, I, to this day, there's this, there's this picture in my mind of coming out of the gate and looking through. There's this big, I want to say, almost full wall mirror, not mirror, glass uh, at Denver Airport that just shows you uh, just the most picturesque background backdrop of a mountain that I've that I've seen uh, at least till that day. So saw that was really, really fascinated. Uh, Gian being the phenomenal host that he was picked us up at the airport and drove us to his place. Um, uh, I remember our first day, I think it began, it began with a ride to Fort Collins and a tour of several known breweries, a uh, Colorado having a plethora of natural water sources and water being a key ingredient in the art of brewing. Um, essentially, Colorado has a reputation for having great beer. Uh, so during that time, since this was my first time actually getting to know Gian, I quickly gathered that he was witty, intelligent, and incredibly funny. That night, actually, we went bar hopping. Um, and strangely enough, there was a feeling of nostalgia in the air. I know Gian's friends gave us all um, a feeling of comfort they welcomed us into their fold. And actually, if memory serves me right, everyone welcomed me that night. I felt like we had the red carpet. We had uh, food bought for us. The night was filled with laughter, live music, uh, cheers, drinks, arcade games, barred games, obviously dancing, and uh, of course, the late night dinner run. The next day, we actually took a scenic ride in Gian Subaru up the mountains to the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. Um, let's just say some of us were hungover, not I, obviously, but some of us were. And <laughs> during that drive, we actually uh, we stopped uh, on the way up the mountain. And there was a uh, we were climbing up a hill and there was an area with, let's say, maybe three or four cars parked on the side and they were looking up at packs of Rocky Mountain goats littering the side of these hills and I remember going out and you know not being too phased being from West Africa I've seen a lot of uh, domesticated goats so it wasn't a, a big thing uh, but one in particular caught my eye it was white and it had two long horns and it was closest to the summit and unlike the um, the goats that were taking the food and moving towards the humans it just kept looking away um, and I, I stared at it for a while. It just gave me a feeling of, of peace and closure that there was, you know, almost like there's a guardian watching over these guys. Mm. Like, what made you draw your, like, what made it draw your attention? Like, how did it get your attention? I, w I would say it's, it's color. Um, it was really, really white, and the rocks were, were reddish, and... I don't know. Was it that or maybe the sun? Maybe it was a light that just caught it. The light, the way the light hit it. And I was surprised that no one was looking at it. 
Yeah, no one was. Everyone was just focused on what was in front of them. So you're in this scenic, like, uh, like rest stop area, and you just turn your head in a direction that no one else is quite looking, and you see this creature, and it's, and that that sounds, um, mystical, you know, like like pointing to something. Like, did you did you get that feeling? I did actually, and. It wasn't actually a rest stop. It was just a side of the road that I guess tourists that don't see wild goats stop at. And I remember why now, actually, why I saw it because I was looking. I love mountains. I love hills. And I was looking at the the shape, the outline of the mountain. And in looking at that, I saw this white dot near the top. And that's where um, I saw him. But again, he was looking. He was facing into the horizon, looking away from us. Um, so we arrived at the Stanley Hotel. Um, and that's where we were staying that night. It, I recall it had a reddish roof, uh, that, and it was nestled on a hill uh, with a mountain rising abruptly behind it. And right behind it, actually, um, prior to getting there, we were told that this uh, hotel had some scenes of the movie The Shining, the old horror movie filmed in it. So I had this picture of my head of just a scary place. So when I got there, I saw that the rocks behind, right behind the hotel, um, they were capped with jagged teeth rock formations on either edge. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But the hotel wasn't scary at all. Actually, that night, we, I guess we looked around. We attempted to scare each other, but no one got scared. And I slept like a baby. The next morning, uh, with our water packs filled, we headed to the Rocky Mountains National Park. It was a short drive away, and that day was beautiful. We explored the park, and we hiked, I believe it was Ben Lake region. Uh, it was a trail, uh, one amongst many trails uh, that we took that day. And I definitely noticed a difference in my breath throughout our hike uh, due to the thinning of the air. I definitely felt tired, and I kept stopping, although... At the time, I think I told Gian and the crew that I wanted pictures. It was mainly so I could catch my breath. <laughs> yeah. And although the areas we hiked were remote and they seem remote, uh, there were definitely a lot of people at the park. It's a national park. And it's, I, I doubt I can truly describe the true beauty of this park. Uh, but if you are able to, I, I would encourage you to view this with your own eyes. Estes Park, um, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, the night fatigued, uh, we we came back to our rooms and uh, we slept. There's a lot of detail that I'm, I'm keeping out, but there's just so much. We just want to hit the highlights. Yeah. The next day, we actually drove to um, Royal Gorge Zip Lining. And uh, again, that day was full of laughs. Um, it was by far one of the fastest and most just just funnest as a blind experiences I've been in because of the people that we were with and the course itself. So we taking full advantage of the daylight that day. I remember we did that in the morning and then we drove over to Garden of the Gods and that name is fitting for this place. Um, staring out, I remember feeling as if I was a giant um, and I just built this wonderful place, molded it with clay rocks full of nooks and crannies for like animals and little things to crawl into I just it's by far um, the most beautiful place that I've seen in Colorado 
uh, and again, I haven't seen a lot, but Garden of the Gods is one of, just one of my favorite plays. It's near and dear to my heart. And again, I felt very grateful to be able to witness such a park and to just hang around it. You know, this is a place where you can go hiking. You could just bring your family for the day and, and just really enjoy it. Uh, that night, actually, we went back to, to Denver, uh, stayed there, went out in Denver. And Denver is an interesting place to go out in, in terms of nightlife. I, I felt as though I was in a college town, although it was a bigger city. Again, uh, we felt really welcome. There was a lot of love, um, a lot of drinks, laughs, good times, obviously dancing. No late night dinner, however. Uh, Denver closes a bit early. What time is early? Uh, at this point, I, I cannot recall, but I definitely recall going. I think we made a stop and picked up some snacks. So we did over a thousand miles on this trip. So uh, I'm going to talk about our next adventure because the next morning we woke up and we drove to Fort Collins for a whitewater rafting trip. And um, Ray, you know this, we've actually, Ray and I have actually led whitewater rafting trips, among other things. Uh, so this wasn't anything really big. It wasn't too fast. The scenery was really nice, but the people made it amazing. Um, the people just told the stories about the place. They actually had pigeons uh, where they utilized the pigeons to send messages from base camp to the launch site. I mean, they had phones and walkie-talkies, but I guess it was their yeah, it was their, it was their thing that they did, and it was pretty cool. So the ride down the river again wasn't fast, but it was really really fun and. Right after that, I remember uh, going back and I actually wrote this down, how I was madly in love with Colorado. And if she was a woman, this would be the time where I would propose just because it, it just the place just filled me with such good energy. So the next morning, I believe Gian had, definitely had to go to work. So he left. I'm not sure why, but Jose, Justin and I were remaining and we decided to we had some time before our plane left. So. Um, Jose found a Buddhist monastery actually and decided to drive to it and Jose's a really fast driver although he's a safe driver he's um, he's fast and um, <laughs> the roads in Colorado were very twisty and windy so driving up the mountain was an experience in itself um, but when we got there I remember the name I believe the name was uh, the Shambhala Mountain Buddhist Monastery and I vaguely remember there was an event going on as we arrived. Uh, we got out of the car and we just started to explore the area. Um, and I quickly into that, and, and this is interesting because of all the experiences that I've had until that point, like this, I still remember just walking into the area, like as clear as day, I became extremely present. Um, I remember we walking through an open field uh, with beautifully crafted gardens, open grass areas, just filled with wildflowers and simple cabins. Um, we continued to explore the far back of the area. It seems like when you first get there, you walk through this open space. Um, there are tents and cabins. And then if you keep going back, you'll see like a hillside rise up, but you'll also see the temple in the far back area of the property. So as we approached there, uh, there was a straight patch with a, a small human roundabout. Uh, and I say patch, I mean path. So right before you get to the actual temple or the monastery, 
there was a straight path with a circle, a human circle roundabout, about 25 yards from the door of the temple uh, that sat above, um, I believe the temple was above two sets of stairs. And again, this was years ago, but I, I remember quite well, at least I think so. Um, the temple was capped with white uh, and it had a, a white and golden cap and in the center of this roundabout, uh, I can't recall what it was made of, but I remember that there was a, there was a wooden statue of some sort. Maybe it had some, some stone in it as well. Um, and essentially, this was an area where people left their belongings. Uh, people left something. I saw pictures of people's parents, family members, young kids, jewels, rings, necklaces, money, tons of notes. Yeah, all just pinned up there. Um, and someone walked behind us. I was, I believe Jose and I were there and said that this is where you leave the thing that you most love. And just walk, kept walking. And, and immediately when he said that, I'm like, what? Well, tell me more. I wanted to ask questions. Like, what do you mean? The thing I most love, shouldn't I carry that with me? Uh, but I just, something inside me just decided to accept it. And I looked into my wallet. I had uh, some sand and dirt, um, a rock, a could my daughters love rocks, so I would always bring rocks back from them. My wallet with, I think, two credit cards, and I, my ID, my mother's old driver's license that was expired with the hole punched in it, and my health insurance card. Um, so I was uh, the most valuable thing I had at the time uh, was essentially my mother's old ID. So she passed away um, earlier that year, and that was just a souvenir that I carried with me. So I I took it out and I I found that there was a pin. It seemed like it was just waiting for me. That didn't have anything on it. And I pinned it to the wooden post. And I silently gave thanks. And I walked forward up the flight of stairs to explore the temple with Jose. I, I opened the doors of the temple and saw that it was a meditation area with cushions um, on the floor, I sat down to meditate, and as I sat, I, I remember noticing Jose on my left walking around to continue to explore the room. I focused my attention on feeling gratitude, as I have done many times, and I still do when I sit to uh, meditate, but it was mainly gratitude for the trip. And after a short while, I heard this just buzzing sound. Um, and I, and I just kept getting louder and louder, and it's, it's hard to describe, but if you've ever been to a nightclub and you spent most of that time by speaker, uh, the next morning, you're going to hear a buzzing sound. Uh, or that night when you get home, you'll hear a buzzing sound, and that's what it felt like, <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was noticeable, and I got up and I called Jose and I asked if he heard anything, and... He looked at me with this confused look like, no, you know, but we, he was ready to walk outside. So we walked outside um, as the tour was completed. And I just, I was overwhelmed with this deep, well feeling of peace and silence. And I just felt as if a, a, a well, a really, really deep well was, was just present within me. And at that moment, I knew that whatever I was holding onto uh, regarding my, my mother's passing was no more. Um, and it's, it's, it's to this day, I, I recall, I call that as the, the end of my morning period, uh, because it's, 
that something happened there and I can't really quantify it. Um, but at that very moment, I knew what it was. Uh, so on the ride back down the mountain, I began to write. Uh, so Ray, you know this, I write quite often. Um, I actually write every day uh, and I say this, but I write every day, whether it's a quick note or something. I love writing. So I wake up and I write before I start my day. It might even just be like recanting a story or just putting my, my thoughts down. Um, but for a couple of months that year, I couldn't write anything. Uh, nothing came out. And even throughout the trip, although I felt elated and I was having a really good time, I could barely write my experiences down. Uh, but now the words just rushed back uh, like a river flooding down a mountain. I, I just wrote. I just kept writing. And... It just felt like the salt that was gone from the world returned. Um, so that was it. Colorado was an amazing trip. It opened my eyes to many different ways of being and different experiences. Um, but that experience at the temple um, gave me something back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like gave you something back like what? I've thought about this quite a bit, and there's several ways I can describe it, but the one that I that I like the most is just peace, you know, that there's a deep well of peace that, that was there. I mean, where I'm from in West Africa in the north there, during a dry season, um, it doesn't rain much, so unless you have a really, really deep well that's connected to a water source that's not going to dry up, you know, you're not going to have that much peace. You're going to be looking for uh, that substance that's 70 plus percent of your body that sustains you. Uh, this, th that experience just gave me that well of peace where I was tapped into a source that could never dry up. And I became really, really creative, more so than before. I wrote a lot more and yeah, life just life just became full it was... that's amazing yeah I mean again it's it's what's foremost in my mind I've been on many trips abroad and um, in our future episodes I'll be more than happy to share about my adventures abroad but this uh, the trip to Colorado really changed my way of being and I'm, I'm just glad that I get to share that with you yeah I'm glad you got to share it with us too man Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome, man. If you are interested in going, I will post up some pictures and some share some links of the places that we've been. And our guides were awesome. The trip was awesome. The people were awesome. And I, I trust that you'll meet some amazing people and have a good time. Nice. All right. Thank you again. And hey, until next week, guys. Peace.